Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I am excited. Every week I'm excited, but this week I'm super excited because today we have John Jonas. And you may not know who John Jonas is, but you will know after today. John Jonas actually founded Online Jobs with co-founder Dan Goggins in 2005. And Online Jobs PH is the website that we use for our VA matchmaking service. And I've talked about it a lot. I refer a ton of people to this website if they're not ready to do VA matchmaking, because as I like to say, it is the indeed.com of the Philippines. John's definitely had his own struggles finding VAs, and that's how this website came to be. I'll let him share his story. He is a graduate of Brigham Young University in computer science. He lives in Utah. And just a little bit about onlinejobs.ph. It's an online job seeking site. It was founded in 2005. It helps Filipino workers with employers worldwide. So it's not just for the U.S. This allows employers not only to find great talent for affordable rates, but it's also creating opportunities for people in the Philippines to find work on their schedule and at their preferred rate, which is why it's so important to me. Because like I said, I've always said that each person that we place with a employer here in the U.S. is also being blessed by the opportunity to have better quality of life, work from home. So this is really in line with that. To date, over 33,000 job seekers and over 5,700 employers have signed up for the service last month alone. So this is not a site to be messed around with. John, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And if I can correct. Please correct uh, everything. uh, (laughs) We didn't launch online jobs until 2009. I just want to make sure we get the timeline right. Perfect. No, I'm glad. Well, still 2009 was a difficult time to be launching anything really. And so the fact that that almost speaks higher to the ability of it to be staying power because 2009 economically, we were in a very difficult time period. So good for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been really, really good. And it, yeah, if I can emphasize those, those numbers that you read, like, I don't, I don't even know what they were like 5,500, employers signed up last month. Right. And like, it was like 60,000 job seekers in the Philippines signed up last month. Right. It's, it's growing like crazy. Tell me a little bit about the journey that brought you to a virtual assistant and then specifically to the Philippines, because I mean, I definitely have my own journey. I, for me, it's like a, a passion project, but also I think it's so easy for me to place and refer people to virtual assistants in the Philippines because of the culture and the language is so easy, you know, easy, easy to understand and, and those types of things. But tell me about how you specifically ended up in this, in this, you know, virtual assistant world and ended up in the Philippines. So it was a complete accident. And when I started my business, when I started I, when I started doing online business in 2003, I did it so that I could like work less, you know, like that's what everybody, that's what everybody does. They want out of their job and they want to work less and freedom. And, and I didn't get any of that. It was, I thought, you know, oh, everything's online, everything's automated. And what it ended up being, everything's online and I'm working 60 hours a week. 
And so I started trying to outsource and I hired people locally. And the first thing they did was quit because they realized, oh, he's making money online. I can do this. Right. And so that sucked. I hired someone in India because that's all anybody talked about at the time. And it took me like a week to realize, well, this sucks. Not that I have anything against India or the people or the culture or whatever. It just didn't work. Like it, and, and I think this is why outsourcing generally has a reputation of, oh, that's really hard. So I tried hiring someone on Elance, which today is Odesk, and it was a contract worker. And, and, and that's fine. And a lot of people go that route because that's what a lot of supposed gurus talk about. And the problem is that the definition of like the, the whole setup of Upwork is 100% turnover for you. Right. That's how Upwork makes money. That's how their freelancers make money is the freelancer gets a job. They have to finish that job, get paid and get feedback so that they can get another higher paying job. Right. Which is what happened to me. Like I hired this guy and he wrote these articles for me and he sends it back to me and, and the articles were done. And it was amazing. I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I realized that like the whole burden fell on me. Well, and now I have 50 articles. I have to do something with them. And the dude was gone. He's not going to post them and submit them and do whatever else is needed because that's not his job. His job's to write. And that was a disaster. So one day I got a tip from a very successful businessman who said to me, and this is in 2005, when you're ready to start outsourcing some of this stuff, make sure you go to the Philippines with it. And I was like, what? You know, like the, f I just thought outsourcing was outsourcing. Like it, it's a headache and it's hard. And he gave me a reason to believe it might be different in the Philippines. And he gave me a reference to where I could hire someone and I didn't do it because I still wasn't convinced. And, you know, like hiring someone's hard. And after two months, I realized it doesn't matter. None, none, of, the, none of my worries matter. Like if I can keep them busy full time or if I can afford it or if, I can, if they can really do good, none of this matters. I can't keep doing what I'm currently doing. That's it right there. Yeah. Like it, you, you have to make a change. And so I hired this guy through an agency in the Philippines full-time. And it was the most liberating experience of my life. His full-time job was to do anything I wanted him to do, anything I asked him to do and anything I was willing to teach him to do. And I was paying this agency $750 a month. I didn't know that they were paying him $250 a month, but so what I did with him was I implemented that entire article process. He would write the articles. He would submit the articles. He would do the SEO for the articles. He would do the links for the articles and the resource boxes and the headers and the whole thing. He would, and I taught him how to do the whole thing. He did the whole process and I didn't have to be involved. And that was such a big turning point for me where I realized I can get someone else. He's full time. I can get someone else to do the things that I know how to do. I can teach them. And then I can spend my time on more important things. That's amazing. Yeah. Like that's, that's how I ended up hiring people in the Philippines. And from there, like, I, you know, when I hired this guy first, it was like, oh, I can't keep someone busy full time. Pretty quickly, I realized I need someone else. Like there's so much work to do. And now that he's doing stuff that I wasn't able to do, now I've freed up my time to figure out other things in my business, other parts of the business. And now it's like, oh, well, I can get someone else to do this other thing that I'm doing now. And, and then it, it snowballed from there. Today, I think I have 35 full-time people in the Philippines. Jelly. 
just saying. Um, <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it wasn't like, oh, I built, I built a team. That's not what happened. I hired one person to do right. One exactly. It just takes one, and it, and it makes the first person makes such a difference and it oh. opens your eyes to such possibility. And I also did the same thing. I, I hired somebody for 20 hours a week and I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough time for 20 hours a week. And I was very open to training as well. And then I also was very open to allowing that person to help me with personal life stuff. So I had like a hybrid business personal assistant. And so she would help me with like scheduling a doctor's appointment for my daughter. So she would sit on hold and and do that for me. Or, or like if I had a support question, she would go on a support, you know, chat and, and do that for me so that I didn't have to sit and do that. I mean, there were all sorts of different things that I think people don't think about. And you and I, you brought something up that is funny that you and I have a different philosophy on that I think would be interesting to chat on. And that is that most of the people that come to me want to offload the things that they hate to do. Yeah. <laughs> and your philosophy is find things that you love to do and offload and train that person, which I can totally see why that would be your philosophy. But I find that a lot of people are like, these are the things that I that need to get done, but I ignore them and they never get done because I hate to do them. These are the things that need to get done, but I procrastinate them because they need to get done and I hate them. These are the things that I do, but I hate them. <laughs> These are the things that yeah, go so round and round. But, it, but I think what I, what I always tell people is you have to have a level of trainability. You have to provide resources. So if you hate that, what's your plan? You know, like what resources are you going to give that person? Because some people may intrinsically have that knowledge but then they're not going to have all of the knowledge. So what are your, what's your plan for making sure that they have the resources that they need? Yeah. So I actually don't think we're all that different there. The important thing to outsource first is things that you know how to do, not that you love or hate, but something that you know how to do. So that article ah, marketing gotcha. process was the first thing I outsourced. I hated that. I, I hated everything about it, but I knew how to do it and I knew it was super effective. And I find what people often want to outsource is the things they don't know how to do. And that creates a hard situation. Like you're saying, how are you going to help someone? How, what, what resources are you going to provide? Because if you don't know how to do it, the Philippines, the culture of the Philippines makes getting that thing done more difficult. Unless they, they already know how to do it. That's the linchpin is if it's something that they don't know how to do and that's like a like deal breaker for them, then we would only look at candidates that already knew how to do that thing. But yeah. everything else, they have to be like what you say, where they either you know how to do it and you can train it, or you have like a very easy resource that can train them on how to do that thing. But if right. it's like, like, I'm just trying to, just an example, like Kajabi, you know, or something like that. So like, you don't know anything about it at all. And so we have to, find somebody who's already used it before and already knows enough about it. And maybe they've used it, but not a ton, but that they could take the my Kajabi university class and refresh their memory and then be up and going, you know, those types of things where you have to get creative with the solution, but 
I also tell people what you, you know, like is along the lines of what you're saying too, in terms of, I say, if you think you're going to need an assistant, even in the next six months, you should be using loom.com and you should be recording every single thing that you do and making instructional videos. And because then by the time you come around to having an assistant, you have 60 videos of things that you do every day recorded and they can rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind and they know how to do that task. The onus is on us to, there is a skill level that we accept and then the onus is on us as employers to provide the information. And that's one of the things that I say to my team every day is, what do you need? What tools do you need? What skills do you need? What courses do you need? How can I support you? Because what they do for me is make my life better. So it's so I, I love that, that you took that bit of information of writing the articles and were, was you were able to translate that into a way of just liberating yourself from that completely. Yeah, I think one of the things that most, most people make a mistake about is, is, oh, I know how to do these things. So let me hire someone to do the things I don't know how to do. And this is the most common outsourcing advice given, and it's the worst advice given, I think, is outsource the things you don't know how to do. And to me, here's, here's why. So if I know how to do article marketing, like it or hate it, which I hated it, and I recommend people outsource things that they hate, like it or, like it or hate it, as soon as I get someone else to do that for me, it takes that thing off of my plate completely. And now instead of spending five hours a week on it, I spend one hour a week managing the person. And I just got time back. If I don't know how to build a website and I hire someone to build a website for me, number one, I don't get any time back into my schedule by hiring that person. Number two, I add a whole bunch of time to my schedule in managing a process that I don't really know very much about. And that's one, stressful, two, time-consuming. And so in my experience, the people who really succeed with one, building a team of VAs who are going to really help them grow their business, two, cutting down their work hours is people who hire people to do things they know how to do, whether they like it or not, whether they like the tasks or don't like the tasks. Point taken. Absolutely. You have a very interesting quote on your LinkedIn profile that I wanted to ask you about and that it just mentions an interesting piece of your work philosophy. You openly state that you are not employable and that the work is greater than the salary incentive does not work for you. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what you mean by that? I am a terrible employee. I graduated from college in 2003 and I had a job for eight months out of college and my only goal was to quit that job because... I graduated in computer science. I was a programmer. I enjoyed the work that I was doing. I liked doing programming. But the when I'm an employee, if I do good work, I get paid the same amount. If I do bad work, I get paid the same amount. And yeah, with my personality, that incentive structure does not work. So yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm I am not employable. <laughs> well, it seems like entrepreneurship is working out for you, so that's okay then. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What do you hope that job boards like onlinejobs.ph will bring to the overall work landscape? I mean, do you think that this type of individual level globalization is going to change how we work in the future or the way that we work in the future? What are your thoughts about that? 
So when I started it in 2009, there was very little outsourcing to the Philippines happening. And over the last 10, probably 11 years, 12 years, I've seen basically the entire world shift from India to the Philippines. So, so much of that, that it, I mean, most of that shift has already happened. So in terms of job boards, since coronavirus happened, online jobs has grown like 80%. So like as soon as... I believe that for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. So we we slowed down for two months, March and April of 2020, when, you know, everything shut down, people were freaking out, nobody knew what was going to happen. And and then towards the end of April, people started waking up and being like, oh, I still have to live. Like just because I'm quarantined doesn't mean like we still have to live. How do we continue to live now? Oh, we hire virtual workers. And online jobs exploded then. And I mean, it was already growing generally, but the future, I think, continues this trend of number one, hiring people virtually. Nobody wants to go back to, back to the office after having worked from home for six months now. People have figured it out. It has changed my life because I built my life around, I'm, this is going to sound terrible, but I built my life around being able to be in the wilderness in the middle of the week when nobody else is there. And so I go out and ride my bike every day, or I go trail running in the mountains, or I go backcountry skiing or whatever, and there's nobody there. And all of a sudden with coronavirus, people are there all the time, everywhere, tons of people. And that's like, that's, that's the life that I've lived since 2005. That's the effect of hiring virtual people. I would hope that the trend continues. Like there's no reason you need to be sitting in an office. Not that there's no reason, there are reasons, but generally the the trend is definitely going to continue. What would you say if somebody was posting on onlinejobs.ph, what is the best advice you could give professionals posting to get help get them noticed? Like what would it what would be the most enticing advice that an employer could, you know, something that they could put that would be helpful for them to get noticed by the employees? So I don't think there's something you can put to get noticed. At least I've never seen that. What I have seen, I mean, think about the numbers. There were 6,000 employers who joined last month and 60,000 workers who joined last month. There's plenty of workers to go around. The issue isn't getting noticed. The issue is doing stuff to turn people away. So, and the biggest part of that is trying to hire Superman someone, and this is super common. Someone goes on and says, I need someone who can build my website and write the sales copy for it and create me a landing page and write me an ebook and do 10 social media posts per day and do build this custom software. Like, sorry, that person doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Right. Not even in the Philippines, even though they are pretty amazing. They are pretty amazing, Um, but they are not Superman. Right. And so that's, like the biggest thing that, that I think people can do is have realis- realistic expectations towards I'm going to I'm going to define a role that I want to hire for and I'm going to pick a single skill that is most important towards that role and two secondary skills that would be really nice and that's and and then write your job description from there and be reasonable about it like do you really need that person to work on your time zone because you probably don't need it and working a night shift is hard. Even in the Philippines, it's hard to work a night shift. Do you really need that person to show up 
to a meeting at 8 a.m. your time every day so that you can check in on video with them? Or is an email sufficient? So there, there's a bunch of things like that where like you expect the world of this person and you put that in your job post. And that, that's the kind of thing that just turns people away. It's going to make you get few job applications versus getting a lot. I think on the flip side to that too is, which I'm with you 100%. I like part of my process is identifying the top three, like three or four, like these are the must haves. And then I have like, these would be the pluses. Like these would be the nice things. You know what I mean? Like these would all be like, you know, like the cherry on top, or I would be willing to train the person to do these things if that happened in the future. But the other recommendation, because we've definitely had clients who have had job descriptions who have been way too detailed that they have wanted to post. And then we have to go back and we're like, look, usually we post and day one, we'll have like a hundred and bajillion applications. We've had like 87 views and three applications. We need to do something with your job post. <laughs> like, you know, like this something, something's going on here. And so what I found to be helpful in narrowing the amount of applications is to be very specific and give some type of weird direction, like asking them to put something in the subject line because the people who are paying attention when they respond will do it. And then you can dump everybody else who doesn't, you know what I mean? Because then if detail orientation is part of what you're looking for, that person, if you say, put, please put blue bananas in the subject line, you know what I mean? Like that means they read the whole post and it's an easy request. And anyone that doesn't have blue bananas in the subject line, you know, is they, you know, they're probably a great person, but they're not paying attention to what you're asking them to do. I want the audience to understand the volume of applicants that come through. It is, <laughs> the volume is yeah. massive. This is why we have this service because I had one client who had been on online jobs for three weeks before she hired us. And she's like, I wish I knew about you three weeks ago. She's like, I love this site, but I can't take it. Like every time I open it up, I'm like overwhelmed with how many good people. She's like, I just want to hire all of them, but I can't hire all of them. So I don't hire any of them. <laughs> and so it is massive. So when you can find things like that, where you can find some little way to narrow the field a little bit to whatever quality you're looking for, then that's going to help you field out the people. But what John is saying is absolutely true. You know, you really have to be focused. You need to know exactly what are your non-negotiables and create a job post that reflects that so that people, so the right people are applying. Yeah. So when you ask like how do employers stand out, usually you don't need to stand out. There's so much. I guess that's true. Yeah. And you're putting stuff in the subject line will eliminate about half of applicants. Right. Right. It's a very effective tactic. So, John, when you think about your career and who you could model yours after, who inspires you? That's a tough question. <laughs> I have done exactly what I hoped to do in my career. I mean, I have a good business that requires very little from myself. I have a very good team. I have, I work very little. I wouldn't model my career after anybody else's. In fact, anytime someone talks to me about selling onlinejobs.ph, I'm like, why in the world, why would I do that? Like my business is the business everybody else wishes they had. 
I would sell this so I could go try and what? be like someone yeah. else. Yeah. Like, no, I, so it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a super fair question because I'm not, I don't think that I'm the smartest person ever or that I've done everything right, but things have worked out really well for me towards building finding the balance. Yeah. Like finding the balance that you have wanted in terms of having the employment freedom to do what you want with your life. Like, I love that you have the little Facebook ad about having lunch with your wife. You know what I mean? Like one of the things that I love about working from home, I, I do have an office that I go to when I feel like it. But one of the things I love about working from home is that sometimes I can take a nap. Like <laughs> that's within the agenda. If I, as the CEO, decide that I want to take a nap. And to those who worry about, this is on a separate topic, but to those who worry about VAs not working in their time zone because you're, you're in your groove and whatever, it is something so absolutely magical and beautiful to wake up to have things done in your inbox. It is the most amazing, amazing. feeling. It's amazing. To wake up and start your day and you have already been super productive. You go you, you know what I mean? Because you hired people to do that work for you and it is done. And there's a lot that can be done. I mean, I do have, I don't have a, like a one-on-one -on -one meeting with everybody all the time. We use Slack um, for communication quite a bit. So there's lots of different tools that you can use for communication. I do have about once to twice a week, a face-to-face -face meeting with my ops manager, but I'm a night owl. So like her beginning of the day is like right before I'm going to go to bed. And so it's no big deal whatsoever for me to like say, hey, you want to hop on a Zoom real quick? And then we have a 10 minute like check-in and then we're done. It's not as scandalous as people think it is, you know, I think there's just a lack of trust. That's what I've seen is a lack of trust. Like, are they going to really work the hours that they say that they're going to work? What are some of the other things that you've seen that people have had as far as objections? So people's biggest objection usually is how do I know if I'm going to find someone good? Because I can tell stories until you're blue in the face about how amazing my VAs are. Me but, too. But how do you find someone good? Well, the first key to finding someone good is go to the Philippines because your chances are just higher there. Second, you recruit well. Like that's, that's how I do it. Like my, I'm about 80% at finding a great person when I recruit. And, and so like you follow a good recruiting process, you know, like I develop my own good recruiting process. You have a great recruiting process, you know? So that's how do you know if you're going to find someone good? You've done the, re, you've done the, the, you've asked the questions up front. The talent always, exists. Yeah. That's not the issue. Yeah. And I always tell people the risk in, exists here too. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. You could look well, you could get referrals, you could do, I mean, it's all the same thing. It's just that, and they could be working virtually here too. So I, I don't always follow why, you know, where the, the pushback is. But all I can say is that from my own experience, it has been life-giving and, and, you know, life-giving in, in all ways. And so, you know, one of my VAs was able to, she had been living in Dubai away from her kids for three years with her husband because there wasn't enough work in the Philippines. So she worked for me 20 hours a week on top of working a full-time full job, which at first I was like, I don't really want you to do because I feel really uncomfortable. Like, I feel like I'm doing something bad. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. 
I have a plan. This is not forever. And she basically worked weekends, you know, and like a couple hours during the week. And she saved her money and was able to move back and be reunited with her family after three years. And when she had left, her youngest was like three months old. So she got to basically get to know her child for the first time, all because she had posted this job on online jobs and I had found her and we had found each other. And, you know, and it's just like we could go on and on about the lives changed and the different things. And people think, you know, like, are we really making an impact because we're not paying the same wages that we're making here? We are making an impact. Like there's an ethical and a just the goodwill of being global citizens. Nothing says you can't give them a bonus or you can't give them additional raises or, you know, that you can't that you can't give them more money as time goes on and you've developed more of a relationship. I I'm in the middle of a pandemic and I just gave my ops manager a big raise. And the reason why is because she's totally freaking worth it. And I believe that that's what the right thing to do is. And so I guess I just see these people who get worked up about issues that aren't really real issues. They're just fear. And what I love about your videos and the things that you do, your educational pieces, is you just break down all the things that people are afraid of. And you say, hey, look, we're talking about people here, like real people who are kind of awesome And they just want to have an actual job that pays them a decent wage. They don't want to drive for two hours a day, two hours each way a day to go into the office. They want a quality of life. They basically want what we want. So like you could do that. You could give that to them if you wanted to, but you have to be open to the process. I mean, what would you say to that? No, it's very true. I mean, your your story isn't, of hiring that girl isn't super uncommon. It's... People who object to this saying, oh, you're sending, you're, you're taking advantage of people. It only takes you hiring someone before you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not taking advantage of someone. I'm helping someone live a better life and they're helping me live a better life and they're thrilled about it and I'm thrilled about it. And the whole situation works out really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I guess... Everybody knows how passionate I am about the process and the people. And I just, like I said, John, like to me, you're a celebrity, which I know sounds ridiculous. (laughs) I'll have to like, I, I think, I think it said that you're in Lehigh. My best friend's in Saratoga Springs. So I'll wave the next time I drive through Lehigh. That's where you're at. But just thank you so much for your time and sharing your stories here on the, on the podcast. I think it's important for people to know that, Again, this is a resource that's available to every entrepreneur. If you think you can't afford a virtual assistant, you are 100% of the time wrong. Like you could hire somebody for five hours a week. You can do this. It is something that is available and accessible to you. It can and it will rock your world and change your life. And so I encourage you to check out onlinejobs.ph. If it's something that you love and you don't want to take care of it on your own, then come and talk to me, come and find me and I will help you make it a white glove process where you literally kick up your heels and do nothing. And I serve you the awesomest people on the planet. But either way, John, thank you so much for being my guest this week. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. And I will, I'll endorse your 
your white glove service. Like online jobs is so awesome. You get to go find your own person. If you don't want to find your own person, you're good at it. You are good at finding finding VAs for other people. And that's awesome. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Well, this has been another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez. This, like every week, we are so grateful for you listening in and we ask that you join us next week for another episode. Have a great day.